Gone is a podcast about people who have gone missing from the United States and Canada. These people are daughters, sons, sisters, and aunties. They didn't just disappear. Someone, somewhere, knows something. I'm Janelle Feller. And I'm Katie Norby. These are the stories of Tyler Bowe and Tara Breckenridge. So when I was researching this story for on Tyler Bowl, it was a it was a name that popped up in um, on my Facebook page. I have several several things that let me know um, stories of missing um, missing people, and uh, his his name and picture popped up on my Facebook, and um, it struck me. His picture struck me because. I felt like, like I knew this boy. He looked like all the boys. Uh, he looked like the boys I grew up with, sure. and and um, we would have been about the same age. We would have both been. We were both born in '68, and and um, I just that's it. Just struck me because I felt like I recognized. Not that I do, because I don't, uh, but that I recognized um, something about him. That he he there was some. There's just something familiar about him that I, I felt more than I saw. Sure. And when I researched the story, it upset me because there, I found so very, very little. And um, the information that I found, so he's Canadian, which is, is, um, and and also he went missing. Um, he went when he went missing. He um, in in 1983. We just weren't we weren't keeping this information in the same way that we have it available today. There's just there's just we just do a better job today of talking about people who've gone missing. Right. And I, and this is really very recent where we started talking about people who've gone missing and really doing a good job of identifying specifics. Um, you know the amber alerts and the silver alerts and those things to just identify things as quickly as possible. The sooner, right. the sooner that you begin looking, the more likely you are to find them. And um, but I also, as I was doing that, um, this, uh, Tyler, Tyler is a First Nations person, so he's a native Canadian, and, and he's male, and he went missing in 1983, but all those things mean that there's very little information about him. Right, right. He went missing, you know, um, and so... So it's, that's upsetting. That's really upsetting to me that there isn't there isn't a paragraph on his life. And the information I found is a little bit it it it's conflicting. There's some information that's that identifies his his home as one place or another, and and so it's not which isn't helpful at all right. when you're when you were really if you were really looking to find this person. Yeah. But, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about the area that that he went missing from and and then the very little bit of information that I, I found on him. But I think that part of the reason that there's so little information is one, um, he was Native American. Mm-hmm. He was Native Canadian, First Nations person. He's male. Um, and I think that those two things 
you know, I, I hope today that if somebody went missing that we would have captured more information and um, more than more than what they what, what is left behind yeah. uh, uh, about Tyler Bow. So so if you were looking at a map of Canada, the most southwestern province is British Columbia. Uh, that shares the border with the states of Washington and Montana. On the west, uh, um, on the west, British Columbia is is bordered by the Gulf of Alaska and the Pacific Ocean. I'm not sure where that line is, but that's that's on the on the west. And on the um, on the east is the province of Alberta. So it's British Columbia, Columbia, Alberta, and then above British Columbia is the Yukon. A very large province um, and we're going to talk about a, a, there's Tyler Bowe's um, home was listed as two different places one of them was Whitehorse and Whitehorse is in the southern part of the Yukon along the the border between the Yukon and and British Columbia um, it has a population of 25,000 and it is home to the Yukon Quest which is a thousand mile sled dog race from Whitehorse to Fairbanks. Um, Tyler Bow is also listed as living in, or as being raised in Williams Lake, uh, Alberta, which is the southern, the southern, southern central part of, of uh, British Columbia. And so it's not clear. Sure. There's two very, they're very different. I mean, they're different provinces, they're different. And so it's just unclear which one, which one, he, he actually was from and it, it makes a difference it makes a difference when yeah. you, if you're trying to remember anything about this so Tyler Bow was born on October 9th 1968 he was born and raised in Whitehorse Lake um, sorry in Whitehorse or Williams Lake uh, Whitehorse Yukon or Williams Lake British Columbia he was given the nickname Tiger when he was a member of the local boxing club Tyler was good with horses. He enjoyed horseback riding and was part of the rodeo scene. On April 30th, 1983, Tyler was helping a neighbor round up some stray horses in a bushy area near Alligator Lake, um, which is along the, along the Yukon and British Columbia border. Alligator Lake is near a volcanic complex of basaltic cinder cones and lava flows. Tyler was considered a bushwise trapper, quote unquote. But on that day, he didn't have any survival gear or any food with him uh, at the time that he went missing. And he wouldn't have been able to survive in the wilderness overnight with below freezing temperatures. If he had left on foot, he would have been seen along the Alaskan Highway near Tesla, Yukon, which had a population of 112 people. So while he, while he would have been seen along the highway, there may not have been anybody driving right. on that. So. Tyler Bowe was 14 years old when he went missing near Alligator Lake, Yukon Territory, Canada. He is a native Canadian called First Nations. He stood four foot eight inches tall and weighed 110 pounds. He had brown hair and hazel eyes. He was most likely wearing a red and blue jacket and he was slightly bow-legged. This case is actually closed, but Tyler Bowe remains missing. If you know anything about Tyler Bowe, contact the Royal Canadian Mounted Police at 403 Six six seven five 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 one, and reference case number one twenty four S.
Was this a big area that um, he was helping his neighbor round up horses? I mean, where he, where the neighbor wouldn't have seen him necessarily. Well, it, I mean, this is an active. So, I only know, I only know what and what this says, which was it says it was a bushy area sure. near Alligator Lake, and near Alligator Lake is a complex of volcanic cones and lava flow. Sure. Which I didn't know that I I didn't know that yeah. that I just didn't know that I I didn't I'm not familiar with that area, but um, the so I, I have no idea. It's the Yukon, so at least this area is not highly populated. Yeah, and um, originally when I was looking at it, I was looking at the Williams Lake area, which is in South Central. British Columbia, and it, it's it's a very different area, mm -hmm. and it really makes a difference, and it's not clear. Yeah. There's not a really reliable source of information that you can kind of count on. So I wish there was, because I think that if you knew for sure, it might help, but I don't think that this area is very highly populated. The White Horse has, a, I think, is a... Whitehorse is a community of twenty-five thousand. It's a, it's a, that's yeah. a significant, significant sized community. And um, and I, and I, as I was looking this up and trying to kind of picture um, the the cowboy, the working cowboy, uh, you know, was in these Canadian provinces as early as the early 1800s and because it was because of the gold rush sure. and and because of the um, the settling of the of the United States and of Canada and it was easier to get food beef specifically to those places when you had it on the hoof so sure. doing a, a cattle drive was was how you transported beef, mm -hmm. and so this 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 whole area would have been you know it was it was part of it was there was a lot of cowboys and there was a lot of that yeah. that um, skill and ability. This is just what they did. This, this is wasn't just out of the ordinary. This isn't out of the ordinary. Yeah. This wasn't this, this wasn't just another day. Right. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't for show. It was um, it was just part of their life. Sure. And. In the Alberta area, they have the Calgary uh, Stampede, which is the largest professional rodeo in all of Canada. But right next to it, in Williams Lake, which is where one of the places that was listed as Tyler Bull's home, there's the the Williamsburg, Williams Lake Stampede, which is the second largest okay. professional rodeo um, in Canada. And so it just talks about that these were, those were skills that, that were active and used in this area and they carried over and um, and I, and I, I wish I could imagine what that terrain which I really understood where he was at and where where he was helping the neighbor round up some stray horses to be able to visualize right. but when you think of basaltic cones and flowing lava 
and a bushy area. I mean, it just doesn't, it's just. They just feel like they don't go together. They don't feel like they go together. Mm -hmm. And, um, and they, they searched and still after all these years hasn't been found. Is that why his case is considered closed? Do you think just because they've literally exhausted their search efforts and, and they just assume the worst or well, because uh, one, of, one is it, it's Canada, and yeah. I don't know what they're. Sure, I'm not familiar with why they would close. Mm -hmm. Why they would close the mother? Uh, it was reported somewhere that the mother felt that he that she had had a dream that he had passed. Sure, but um, in my opinion, no case should be closed right. unless you have convincing evidence. But you know there wasn't any it. The area that he was in doesn't seem as if. He would have been plucked out of the, out of this area and trafficked. Right. It just is, uh, maybe, um, but it just doesn't. You'd have it's kind of a specific little area. Yeah. Um, and. Well, especially if he was back in the woods, you know, it wasn't just. It wasn't like he was just walking down a road, you know, hurting horses. Yeah. He was. In the bush doing this, it wasn't. Yeah, and was he on foot? Was he on? Right. Was he on horseback? Um, and because it makes you think that he wasn't on horseback, because then he would have been. He could have ridden out. He could have ridden out. He could have. He either that he would have been seen. That he would have. There would have been. Well, and and you'd think that if he was on horseback and he went missing. You know, there would have been some statement somewhere that said the horse came back, or we found the horse that he was on, right. or right. the horse is also missing, or right. you know something, right. or injured, or anything. Yeah. But, but also, but if you were in a bushy area, and I don't know what that means, if that's the like our, if around where we live, we live in um, in northern Minnesota where there's a lot of swamp, and so we do have a lot of bushes that 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 would probably be at seven, eight feet tall, naturally. They can be kind of dense, but but it wouldn't be easy to ride a horse through it. No. And so that's what what it makes me think of. However, it may be very different there. Um, but it makes me it's upsetting to me that there's the information that I have. There's not a lot. There's there's not a lot on him. Um, there's. And it's conflicting. So it would be hard. It's hard to identify and hard to pinpoint where he might be and. But yeah, the case is closed. However, he's still missing. Tara Breckenridge was 23 years old in 1992. She grew up in Del Rio, Texas with her mother, father, and four siblings. Her family is described as devoutly religious. Del Rio has a population of roughly 36,000 and is located about five and a half hours east of Houston. Tara had a dream of becoming a photographer. After high school, she set out to make that dream a reality and moved to Houston, Texas. Soon after she arrived, the cost of living in a big city forced her to find a second job as a waitress at the men's club, where she worked from 1989 to 1992. After two years in Houston, she met Wayne Hecker, who would become her live-in boyfriend. Wayne didn't approve of Tara working at the men's club. Tara, Tara had told her mom several times that their relationship was rocky and that she was thinking about moving out. On August 3rd, 1992, Tara was at work at the men's club. 
It was a slow night, and the manager suggested that some of the servers could go home early. Tara volunteered. The manager told Unsolved Mysteries in 1995 that this was out of character for Tara. She would normally be the one to stay as long as she could for tips. He also said that it was unusual because she walked right past the doorman without saying goodbye, and she didn't respond to his goodbye. It was around 1 a.m. on August 4th. I'm guessing that this was standard. It was mentioned, so I'm guessing that this was standard considering where she worked. But a security guard escorted her to her car, um, and she drove away. This was the last time that Tara was seen. While Tara was leaving work, her boyfriend, Wayne, was at a pool hall about 15 minutes away. Wayne returned home at 5 a.m. to find that Tara wasn't there. He then went out to look for her. It's not clear where her car was found. Unsolved Mysteries reported that Wayne found Tara's red 1986 Pontiac Fiero on the side of a busy freeway at 7 a.m. on August 4th. The Charlie Project website said that her car was found at 2.30 a.m. along her normal route home. Either way, the car alarm and flashers were off, and the can of mace that Tara carried with her was still inside. So you mean the, the flashers, they hadn't been turned on? Right. It or wasn't like had... she broke down okay. and she turned her flashers okay. on. or yeah. I just wasn't sure if they had, like, the battery died or something. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not... It's not... That's not clear. That's not clear. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it wasn't, like, the standard, uh, you know, my car stopped running, I'm going to turn the flashers on, that kind of thing. And carry my mace with me. Right. right. There was no indication of a struggle, but when authorities checked under the hood, the alternator was missing. I know nothing about alternators, so when I Googled it, you can possibly drive a car without an alternator. But it's not clear how far. Okay. Apparently, I still, I'm not, it's not very clear what they do, but it has something to do with keeping a charge to the battery. Oh. So you could drive a car for a ways, I suppose, depending on the car. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also isn't clear, was the alternator missing before this hat, before her car was found? Was it, did somebody take it? And that's why, uh, and it's just, it's very unclear. I, I, first of all, I wouldn't know where the alternator is. I wouldn't, I mean, I didn't know that's what it was for. And, uh, I didn't either. And I wouldn't have checked. No, and so I don't know, I mean, it's, it was, was it missing. missing the day before? Right, had it been missing a while? Right. Was this something that was... Did she break down where she broke down because right. the driving from home to the to the men's club and then heading home again that she ran out of the charge that yeah. was necessary? Um, right, so. it's not clear. I couldn't find anywhere that it said, oh yeah, her alternator was taken out the day before because it was broken or I, who knows. You, you, I have no clue. You'd think if they knew that, it would be identified. It would say that, yeah. Wayne has been considered a person of interest in Tara's disappearance. Her car was found three miles from the pool hall that he was at. A person at the pool hall that night said that Wayne left the establishment at 1.45 a.m. and was gone for approximately 45 minutes before returning to the pool hall. Wayne maintained his innocence. Police looked into two men that were possibly connected to her disappearance. It's not clear if one of those two were Wayne. But according to Unsolved Mysteries, one of them died in 2015. The other was a male admirer who regularly left $100 tips at the men's club for Tara. He also left her notes. One told her, quote, Not to be scared. Do what your heart tells you. I'm very excited that you'll marry me, unquote. Another note said, quote, The more you hold out, the longer you jeopardize what I feel for you, unquote. According to co-workers at the club, the secret admirer was a frequent visitor who lavished Tara with tips. He apparently had knowledge of her difficulties with Wayne. 
Sergeant Brad Rudolph of the Houston Police Department told Unsolved Mysteries in 1995 that, quote, there was nothing threatening in those notes. We interviewed the individual. Our opinion at, at this point is he was just an individual that had an attraction towards Tara and nothing more, unquote. He said that, he, I mean, he said that I'm very excited that you'll marry me. I, I'm, that his, his statement is conflicting to me because I feel like whoever this person was that left, left these notes, it's creepy. No, maybe it's not threatening in a threatening manner, like I'm going to hurt you or anything, but what we know about stalkers. And, and we might be a little suspicious. We're super suspicious. So it, it feels a little it icky. It feels icky. Well, and considering this is a men's club. I can assume that this men's club was a strip club. Right. It didn't say specifically anywhere, but but because of the name and... Well, the name kind of kind of indicates. Right, but it also made it clear to say that she was a waitress. She yes. was not She was mm-hmm. not a dancer. Um, so I think those things, because of what he said, because of the establishment, it feels a little icky. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not... And that he lavished her with tips, and then that he's yeah. making these, these notes that are, which are asking for... Affection return right. in return. Right. Um, it also went on to say that it appeared that Tara rejected his advances. Foul play is suspected in her disappearance. There were several abductions of young women in the Houston area in the early 1990s. Authorities don't know if her case is related to those other incidents. Other than her car being found, there has been no trace of Tara. Tara Breckenridge was 23 years old in 1992. She would be 52 this year. She is described as Caucasian, 5'5", and 120 pounds. She has brown hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a white or light-colored shirt, blue shorts, sandals, and a Del Rio High School class ring, engraved with Class of 1991. She has scars under her left side of her lower lip, under her left arm, and on the left side of her body. Her two upper front teeth are discolored in the center. She wears contacts or glasses. She usually has long, red, painted fingernails, and her ears are pierced. If you have any information about the disappearance and or whereabouts of Tara Breckenridge, please call the Houston Police Department at 713-247-8111. So we know that she left work at around 1.30, 1, 1-ish, I guess. And um, the, the first report of her seeing her vehicle is at 2.30. Well, and that's what, that's what I... That's what's unclear, because the one article said it, her car was found at 2.30. The other one said that Wayne was the one that found it at 7 a.m. the next morning. Mm-hmm. So I don't... And I'm not clear on the locations either, but the one said it was found on her route home. The other said that it was on a freeway. I'm not sure if that's interchangeable. Right. Um, the freeway is on the route home. Right. I'm, right. Not, I'm not positive. Well... And there's and there's a story of other other women going missing in the early 1990s from that same area, right. or from Houston, and um, I just want to say so we don't know she had challenges in her relationship which which she had, which was identified kind of as her working at the men's club. Yeah. I can understand why that would be, right. and also having having this. Admirer, mm-hmm. lavish her with hundred dollar tips in nineteen ninety two. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, and not in, it was more in nineteen ninety two. And then um, giving her love notes. Mm-hmm. 
for lack of a better term, um, was was the issue because of where she worked? Was the issue more significant than that? Right. Uh, her, her issue with Wayne I, I was was that it? So it's it, there's a lot of unanswered kind of questions and. Um, though I just want to say that the admirer, uh, his behavior, so you go to a men's club and you fixate on a waitress. Well, that's, I, I, that's, I and then you write her love notes. I, I, I don't, maybe I can honestly say I've not been to a strip club. No. Um, and I've, I've not eaten food at a strip club. I don't know. <laughs> I would guess it's just like any norm, any bar, you know, probably bar food or, you know, sure. it's probably the same idea. But but it's treating a waitress as you would a dancer mm-hmm. um, because it's, it feels, it feels presumptuous. It feels predatory. Predatory. Yeah, yeah. it feels predatory. And I, I don't care if it's not threatening and the notes aren't threatening. However, it still feels just the, the the idea of going to a to a um, a strip club, fixating on a waitress, you know, on a regular basis, right. and it it just feels really. It feels very yucky, and yeah. But they apparently know who that guy was. They looked at him. However, when just as you read that story, it made me think: Is she locked somewhere? Is she... Oh, that gave me the ick, icky goosebumps because that's what I thought, too. He, that... And this is all just assumption, obviously. It's speculation. It's speculation. Right. But, and I think that it's just because of where we work that it, my mind automatically went to that. Like, this is super creepy and he would be one of those people. Just just based on, you know, what we know. Because his this, behavior was this, predatory. I don't care creepy. if it wasn't threatening. It was predatory. Right. And it's not clear, like, I mean, her coworkers obviously knew who this person was. Yes. And so I don't know, it, nowhere did it say, you know, that man was there that night or he had been there the day before or, or when these notes even came in. Had they been coming in for two years since she worked there? Was four, it just... Four years. That he, she, he was, she was there for four years. Right. Um, yeah, sorry. And, or was, did these notes just start coming in within the last week? Right. Or, and, you know, was this just something that she was like, oh, there's And these so, were the ones so. that were mentioned. Yeah. Yep. It, but it appears as if she had turned him down and that she yeah. had... However, however, it also sounds as if she accepted those tips. Right. Which, if you're a predator, that's an opening. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just... My dad would say that the devil isn't going to have have red skin and horns coming out of his head. The devil is going to be handsome, charming. Mm -hmm. Um, Cunning. Cunning. Because, so, in the same vein, uh, a a real predator isn't going to look like a predator. Right. Act like a predator, certainly, but they're not going to look like a predator, and they're going to be very talented liars. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because... If they weren't able to keep their emotions or their their personal desires at bay, they would never be able to lure in their victims um, if their evilness and their their desires just flowed out of them. Nobody would be attracted to that, and and people would be afraid and would avoid. But 
Um, well, and this feels a little like grooming, you know, to be giving $100 tips. Like, of course you're going to take it. It's your job. I mean, it's not like someone, just random person is giving you $100 tips. It's your job. Right. And so you're being paid how they see fit to give you a tip. Right. So it doesn't necessarily feel wrong to take that. But in the mind of that person, giving those tips they is this a part purchasing. of... Yeah. Because I just want to say that this is on the floor. Right. On the stage. It's very if different. If you give money, a $100 tip, to a dancer... What does that what does that feel like? What does that mean? Do you are you purchasing their attention? Are you I mean it it it, it has a yeah. it does would be a little bit mixed and I, I don't really know what the what it would feel like if you're the one that's giving the money and and it could feel as if you were purchasing their attention. Right. And right. The, uh, it's just, it's, it's creepy. And, yeah. and the notes make it creepier. And those are the notes that she talked to her, her coworkers and maybe her ex or her boyfriend at the time about. Right. There's probably some that she didn't talk about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a very, I'm always a, I'm just always astonished that people just literally vanish into thin air. Like, it, it just kind of boggles my mind. It it's just boggles. I mean, I mean, it's me. one thing to vanish out of, you know, into thin air in the 80s or the 90s because we weren't so connected then to, I mean, you carry your cell phone with you and it literally tracks everywhere that you go, whether you want it to or not, you know, right. where... Right. It, I feel like it would have been easier to disappear if you wanted to back then. Before cell phone. Right. But still, like, how? Well, how? and that there's nobody, that there's no trace, that there's no, there's no body, there's no purse, there's no... Yeah. And I, that's, I, I feel the same way. I feel like, how is that even possible? And why aren't we tripping over the bones of people who've gone missing. Right. Why? What? Right. You know, we, there's, there's, it feels like that we should be turning the corner, mowing the lawn and running across, you know, a missing, a, a, the body of somebody who's gone missing because they're everywhere. Yeah. And it's been uh, forever. It just scares the crap out of me. As a, as a mom. Yeah. Yeah, I bet it does. When I think about stuff that I did as a teenager, I mean, obviously younger than her, but, you know, I mean, thank God we live where we live because, you know, we live in a, a pretty safe area, and how, it's always been pretty safe. However, we've read a lot of stories about pretty small oh, and no, pretty yeah, absolutely. safe areas that absolutely. people went missing from. Yeah, but, I mean, we're not, you know, we haven't had really terrifying crimes happen here or you know we're pretty far we're not even considered a suburb like we're pretty far away from everything right. you know so I just think of things that I did when I was a teenager or I mean even close to her age that or in college in college living by myself in a big city yeah you know coming and going from work at night you know just the opportunities were there and it just it it just it scares the crap out of me because any one of us could have been any one of these people. And and when we look back, we happen to do two stories that were, you know, one was 83 and one was 92. And 
Um, it doesn't matter when. No. People have always gone missing. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I don't think that there's more people going missing today. Maybe there is. We're just more aware of it. Right. And it's we're just known, out there. we know immediately. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's more. I, I mean, I don't know. And, and um, it's. Well, it's, even that, like you, it, it seems like it would be harder to go missing these days because we're so connected. Mm -hmm. But there's still, you know, as thousands of people going missing every day. Well, and as close as, as you know, two hours from us in Bemidji, yeah. that, that, you know, people who have gone, right. have gone missing. And I just find it hard to believe that you can disappear. And I feel like today, I feel like when people go missing, that there's a very good chance that they're being trafficked. Yeah. Because um, so they're pulled out of the area that they're from, and um, they're kept a prisoner in one way or another, right. someplace else. Mm -hmm. And that leaves you hope that maybe that they're still alive. But I wonder what kind of trauma a person who's been trafficked has gone through. I feel grateful that I can't even imagine it. But then how do you help somebody who's been trafficked? I mean, I don't even know. So our work here, we help victims of crime. Right. Um, our, the big categories for us are domestic violence, sexual assault, and general crime like stalking and harassment. But as, as we're looking at, they're looking to replace um, line three, in, which is in our area, and... How would we help a victim of trafficking? What would you do? Where would you start? I don't even know. There's physical trauma, right. emotional trauma, addiction, um, and layers and layers and layers and layers of all those things. It, it's just, for me, I'm not, I'm not scared. I don't have children, and that, that I'm not scared of... Of, of, of that, but I am scared of how can, how can we really help somebody who has, who has been made, you know, has been kidnapped and trafficked. How, how can we help them? And, and that's something that, you know, just as we're kind of talking about this pipeline coming in, replacement of line three, um, what kind of training do we need to be able to help people? Even though it is, it's going, it's going to be only, it's only going to come cl as close as two hours or about 111, 117 miles to us. It's still, yeah, it's still very close because just because we have so many we are surrounded by so many reservations and First Nations people that that there's there's concerns. We ask that you do not reach out to the families or post names of possible suspects on social media. Missing person photos, along with information and articles used for these cases, can be found on our website at gone-podcast.com.
Okay, Katie, for our distraction this week, I have weird flavors of ice cream. Oh, all right. I don't know why my my distractions are always food. Gross food. Gross food, too. Gross. My, my, my distractions are always gross. Let's talk about delicious food. It's not as much fun. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's not. not. It's not. No. Um, and <laughs> it's not. And we we live, you know, we live in an area where you need to be able to cook it. Right. Because you're not going to... Uber doesn't travel this far. No. Uh, There's uh, no door to up No, no, no. no. Uh, um, so, uh, at the sweet spot, and I, um, the ice cream store in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware... They serve a flavor called booger. Uh. This snot-covered goodie is actually made of only gum. Uh, sorry, of only yummy ingredients of, of vanilla ice cream, caramel, and bits of marshmallow with green food coloring added to give it the icky appearance. Mm. It would be horrible, I suppose. The name would turn you off of it. I think you just you wouldn't want to eat it just because of the name. You need to have some stringy stuff in it. I mean, I feel like you need. Well, to I have... feel like when you're eating that marshmallow, ew, that would. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's gonna feel a little boogery. I would imagine, even if it tastes okay, it's gonna feel a little boogery. Uh, this is this is the sweet spot. Um, Sparky's homemade ice cream in Columbia, Missouri. It's called Cicada. Oh. <laughs> to create this crunchy treat, boiled cicadas, in case you didn't know, it's a type of insect. It's like a big grasshopper it's or like something. It's like a big, noisy, damn grasshopper. Yeah. So, boiled cicadas are covered in milk chocolate and dipped in brown sugar. They are mixed, then mixed into a brown sugar and butter-flavored ice cream. But the strange concoction is only available when the cicadas are around. So once every 13 years when a new generation emerges from underground. Oh, uh, so gross. Why can't you just, like, why, a cicada or grasshopper? I don't know, right. but the grasshoppers that we grew in the plains of South Dakota, that's like a meal. They were big. They were big. Yeah, and I swear I they'd jump on you and you would... You would Begin, you know, it would fall yeah. down because uh. they were so big. They maybe weren't as big as a cicada. I don't know. I've never seen a cicada that I know of. Okay, but in this ice cream, are they actual, like, whole cicadas? Crunchy treat. They're boiled cicadas. So you covered in have... milk chocolate and dipped in brown sugar. So you have, like, a bowl of ice cream and, like, this long brown... I don't know. They're mixed in. I mean, I would say that it's not a... I mean, I don't know. Uh. It doesn't matter. I Frankly, it doesn't matter. They're, like, crunchy bits of cicada. Yeah. Oh gosh. I mean, I don't think they worked extra hard to keep the legs attached. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. So this is this is a called vanilla. This it's at the sweet spot. Look me, I'm delicious in Bristol, England. The flavor of the ice cream isn't what makes it weird. The this um this ice cream, English ice cream maker added proteins that make jellyfish glow to his vanilla recipe. So when you lick the ice cream, the proteins activate, causing your scoops to light up. Ew. Isn't that how people got radium poisoning? <laughs> I don't... Licking jellyfish licking ice cream? chemicals? I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know that jellyfish goo would taste so good. No. The jellyfish glow. What would that... Ew. No. No. I mean... No. At least put a little cicada chunks in it just to make it interesting. Crunchy. This this ice cream flavor is called cereal milk. 
It's from the sweet spot at the Momofuku Milk Bar in New York City. This cereal-flavored sweet may remind you more of breakfast than dessert. It tastes milky and it's sprinkled with cornflakes. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna put cereal in ice cream, I want Captain. I want. I want like peanut butter crunch. Yeah. And if you could crunch it up so that it doesn't destroy the roof of your mouth, that yeah. would be great. Mm-hmm. But I don't want cornflakes. That's not good. I mean, get a good cereal at right. least. That's not even a treat. I mean, if you had Rice Krispies, at least they'd talk. Right. Mm-hmm. How about pizza flavored ice cream? The uh, Little Baby's Ice Cream in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, this shop whips up a pizza flavored ice cream using tomato, basil, oregano, salt, and garlic. Ew. No, thank you. Why? I don't know. This one is called um, Cold Sweat. Gross. Cold Sweat, which is really a gross name. It's at Sunny's, Sunny Skies Homemade Ice Cream in Ang- Angier, Angier, A-N-G-I-E-R. Angier? Hmm. North Carolina. Hmm. I want to say angrier, but it's not. Angier. A-N-G-I-E-R. Interesting. North Carolina. It's made with three kinds of peppers and two kinds of hot sauce. So it's, it's super spicy, and it will leave your mouth scorching hot. So it's freezing cold, but your tongue is scorching hot. Just, why? 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 Just go eat some buffalo wings or something, and then have some ice cream afterwards. Like, why? Why? Why mix the two why? flavored I don't want my pizza, my pizza to taste like ice cream, and I don't want my ice cream to taste like pizza. No. Or spicy. Or spicy. Gross. So this is the tiger tail. It's in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Uh, so this is orange-flavored ice cream with swirled with black licorice sauce. And it's named after the coloring. So orange-flavored ice cream with black licorice. Hmm. Doesn't that seem like a strange combination? Yeah, I don't... I don't mind black licorice. I don't mind it at all. I don't mind black licorice. I can't imagine it in ice cream. I don't mind black licorice. Right. I don't know that I would like black licorice flavoring, which is anise, kind of anise. Yeah, and, and it'd be too harsh. And Interesting. This one is called Pet Bird. Why <laughs> the look on your face? <laughs> Priceless. Uh, this is at the Torimi Cafe in Tokyo, Japan. This ice cream shop has flavors such as sparrow and parakeet. You won't find feathers in the scoops of ice cream because it, ta- it contains the things that these birds like to eat fruit nuts and seeds hmm. so yeah those so, are really weird flavored ice cream what do you have for us katie so i've shared something similar to this before these are letters that kids have written to god third graders third graders yes this is from charlene how did you know you were god that's a good question that's a really charlene. good question how do I know that I'm not God? Right. Huh. This is from Marnie. Dear God, on Halloween, I'm going to wear a devil's costume. Is that all right with you? I think it's good to ask. I, I think asking really, it really is the way to go. Yeah. Dear God. Because, you know, nobody dresses up like God. Nobody does. I mean, 
we're more likely to dress up like a devil than God. Right. I'm just saying. Well, because he, it's Halloween and it's scarier. It feels. It, well. It, it feels like it's supposed to be a scary. I mean. Occasion. You. But could, it's a good question. It 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 really is, and also, I I it just it's just I mean I can see why God it would be best to just ask. Just ask. Just yeah. make sure. Dear God, who draws the lines around the countries? Nan. It's a good question, yeah. Nan. I've wondered that same thing. Or states or provinces or... Right. Why aren't they just squares or right. circles? Right. Yeah. I don't know, Nan. I think that's a good question. Dear God... Oh, this is by Tom, from Tom. Dear God, when you made the first man, did he work as good as we do now? Well, you'd think that maybe that they, you know... You, we progressed a little bit. You parts in one place when they should be in another. Work a little bit better. I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, this is by from Donnie. Dear God, is Reverend Coe a friend of yours, or do you just know him through business? <laughs> I'm curious as to why they're asking that question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just curious as to why they're asking that question. Dear God, my grandpa says you were around when he was a little boy. How far back do you go? Love, Dennis. Because <laughs> <laughs> grandpa is old. <laughs> old. Dear God, do you know about things before they're invented? Charles. Yes. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> this is from Darla. Did you really mean do unto others as they do unto you? Because if you did, then I'm going to fix my brother. <laughs> and I'm going to fix him good. <laughs> just so we're clear. Is I this really what you meant? Again, it's best to ask first. <laughs> right. But right. I'm pretty sure she's not going to get an answer she likes. <laughs> this is by Susan. And if this is third grade, she wrote, she wrote very nice cursive. Dear God. I know all about where babies come from, I think. From inside mommies and daddies put them there. Where were they before that? Do you have them in heaven? How do you get them down here? Do you have to take care of them all first? Please answer my questions. I always think of you. Yours truly, Susan. Susan has a wonderful vocabulary. <laughs> yes. And she's a very curious girl. Yes. Well, and, it's very confusing. Well, and I think that it was a good idea to yes. have her write these questions down. Yes. Because the mom is pulling her hair out. <laughs> probably, probably. Pulling Dear, her hair <laughs> right out her head. Yes. Dear God, how come you didn't invent any new animals lately? We still have just all the old ones. Johnny. Well, Johnny, I agree. I agree. We could use some new ones. We could use some new ones. <laughs> Uh, this one is by Tom. I believe it's Tom. Dear God, why is Sunday school on Sunday? I thought it was supposed to be a day of rest. Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good question, Tom. Yeah. It, it's on Sunday because it's called Sunday school. But, I mean, I don't know about right. that. Right. I'm, I'm not sure and, either. And really, are you resting if you have to go to... Well, that's. Pro I think that's the question. Not really. Am I really resting? I'm trying to do what you right, ask. Right. And, uh, but I still have to go to Sunday school. and <laughs> It's a discussion I'm having with my mom right now, and right. She's, she's not in agreement with me. Uh, <laughs> this is from Danny. Dear God, my brother is a rat. You should give him a tail. Ha ha. <laughs> That's all it says. 
Well, I just, I don't think that guy gets funny letters. I don't think, I don't think he just gets, like, jokes like that. Like, no. Like, just joking around letters. <laughs> They're usually probably pretty serious. They probably are. This is from Marsha. Dear God, my brother told me about being born, but it doesn't sound right. So she's thinking that maybe your brother didn't get all the... Yeah, it just doesn't quite sound right. Well, can I just tell you, Marsha, even when it is right, it doesn't sound right. Well, and maybe don't go to brothers. I would say for most anything that's for important. any information. I mean, if you're looking for a way to get to those cookies without mom knowing about it, yes, go to your brother. Right, right. But if you want some facts, right, uh, if truth. you want to know the 100% truth about something, maybe... Maybe brothers aren't who you go to. Right, right. You need to get the car unstuck. I'm just saying that these are things that brothers are really helpful for. <laughs> um, this is the last one. Oh, no, there may, there's another one. Dear God, of all the people who work for you, I like Peter and John the best. Rob. And I, I read this one before, but I have to read it again because it's just so cute. This one's from Mickey. Dear God, if you watch in church on Sunday, I'll show you my new shoes. Oh my God. <laughs> it's just the sweetest. If you watch, I mean, if I'll you're show looking, you. yeah. <laughs> yep. Because they are so fancy, and just see how fast I run. Right. Yeah. 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 That'll be nice. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> Showing God my shoes in church on Sunday. 